Hey everybody, this is Rob Rivera from Nonpoint, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. Yeah, and I couldn't find those. I'd love to find those, but uh, they'd probably be pretty hard. I used to be really good at getting those into getting independent albums and stuff, but uh, yeah, separate yourself is actually on iTunes. Not struggle. Okay. Uh, I think struggle would probably be an eBay type of thing. Right. Like I like I don't even have a copy of struggle. <laughs> so let's put it that way. <laughs> That's and how rare it a, is. I don't even have a copy of separate yourself either. That's oh, a whole wow. different type of injustice. I don't have a copy yeah. of my own album. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a. I have a, everything else except those two. I have no idea where they went. I may have given them to somebody, or you know, kind of passed it along for somebody to have it. You know, I mean, uh, but uh, separate yourself is definitely on iTunes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't look in the store. I think I just checked the uh, the Apple Music uh, the streaming because a lot of the stuff that's on iTunes is yeah. On I don't. There. I don't know if separate yourself is available on streaming. That's a good question. I have no idea. I want to say I saw somebody had uploaded the whole thing to YouTube, which is... Oh, you, you, YouTube has got pretty much every fucking album that exists out there. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. There's so much stuff on YouTube. I know whenever we end up doing the Taproot discography, it's going to be a lot of searching for stuff, too. Um, some of those old albums and demos. Because like, we'll talk about them if we can find them, but a yeah. lot of the time... Um, if I can't find it on YouTube, then as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist. I agree there. And if you're ready for a bullet with a mind trip, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Rob Rivera of Nonpoint. Hello, hello, hello. And we are talking about Nonpoint. There's a lot of Nonpoint to talk about. There definitely is. This is definitely one of those discographies that was so large that we took a little bit of extra time to go through. Yeah, nine records. It's nine records, right? Yeah, it takes a long time. I mean, every now and again, people complain that our podcast is a little bit too long, but uh, it's one of those, man, you talk about nine or ten records in less than an hour, you know? <laughs> like, that's uh, yeah. that's hard to do. Agreed. That's, uh, but that's what we're going to attempt to do tonight. Probably not going to be in less than an hour, but... Uh, I'm going to wear it. Well, let's say it's going to be uh, a little less than 90 minutes. There you go. Yeah. I think that's I think that's fair. Well, before we start talking about Nonpoint with Rob Rivera, I want to take some time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, and whenever we get one, we will read one on the podcast for you all to hear. Thank you so much for everybody that has reviewed us so far, and we just want to thank you guys for your continued support. All right, I just want to give a quick shout-out to all of our patrons who have supported us on Patreon thus far. That would include Jeffrey Santos, Alex Sander, Zach Barr. Thank you guys so much. We couldn't do this without you. And for anyone that has not joined Patreon, $1 will get you into an exclusive album review feed where we feature weekly album reviews and other exclusive content that we are currently producing. Well, let's start it off. Uh, let's start it off at the beginning, or the beginning as far as most people are concerned. 
I know that when Nonpoint first started, you guys are actually... Was Nonpoint Factor considered Nonpoint before Nonpoint, or would you consider it a different band entirely? It, it was an entirely different band, different members. Uh, we did around the, uh, in that era, I think we were playing Orgullo, who was a song that was on on Statement. Um, but I, I'm not 100% certain. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the Nonpoint that people know today starts with statement you know obviously you know we had some local cds uh before you know we signed the record deal but you know i think the the true non-point that people know starts with statement gotcha i know when i first heard non-point we talked about it on the show before but it was recoil walking into my drum lesson and having rob yes my drum teacher's name was rob by the way hand oh. me a copy of recoil and say listen to this we're gonna play this all of this and that's where it started for me. <laughs> Which wow, song? That's... In the air tonight. All of it. <laughs> All of it. The whole thing. <laughs> wow, that's that's. I'm flattered. You know, that's uh, that was a fun album to make for sure. So yeah, statement was actually the first one that I heard. Um, I remember I picked it up at a used uh, CD shop for I think like, I think it was like five bucks or something. Which I mean back. Back then, in the early 2000s, five bucks for a full-length album was a steal. Back when CDs cost $17.99 each, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember those days. Unless you were shopping off the bargain rack at Target, then they were seven bucks on Wednesday. Right. (laughs) I remember the first thing I thought whenever I heard it was, God, these guys are pissed off. Like, it is um, undoubtedly... I mean, it's an angry record. But it's not like a stupid angry record, if that makes sense. Like, you get yeah. you get some bands that are just angry, 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 and that's all it is. But I think what kept me going with Nonpoint is that the, you know, you had the you had the screams, you know, you had the the rhythmic delivery, you had all of those key factors that you'd want out of an aggressive rock album or metal album at the time. But there was a little bit more finesse to it uh there was there was potential for growth there and um that i mean that that record i mean still gets played every now and again just for the the sheer aggression of it and just kind of the emotional delivery um i think the thing that stood out to me the most on statement was the vocals especially was just that like i mean just the delivery is so no pun intended on point (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as opposed to not on point, right? Yeah. And I just, uh, I, I just love that emotional delivery. I liked that the lyrics weren't just like this generic, um, you know, I hate everyone, everyone hates me, whatever. You know, yeah. like you, if there's hate there, there it's explained. You know. Well, I mean, Elias came from a different background than I guess all of his peers at the time. You know, Elias came from. A very uh, rhythm and blues, hip hop style background. So he used those kind of lyrics and and put that kind of delivery into the music. I mean, when we first got together with Elias, you know, when we figured out that he could scream, sing, and rap, and to find that combination was, uh, I believe, I, I was just blessed to be able to find a singer that had, you know, that many different styles you know that that and on statement i mean you can hear the rapping you can hear the singing you can hear the screaming i mean there was 
there was I, I think that's really what stood out what has always stood out by us is that Elias has been very versatile with his vocal delivery and still to this day he does all that stuff you know he does does the rap and the screaming and the and the singing and 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 uh, we got a lot of compliments on that album uh, uh, as far as his vocal delivery went you know and, and it was a fun record to make at the same time it was very stressful because uh, it's my first time in a real studio with a real producer and first time ever recording to a click track and uh, the previous albums before that I, I never recorded a click track we had just me and Andy and Ken, uh, we recorded at Studio 13 in Deerfield Beach, Florida with our friend Jeremy Staska, and we recorded live, all of us, at the same time. And uh, just, uh, the, the, just the instrument part of the stuff, Elias would record afterwards. So it, once, but I, I got used to the click really, really quickly, but when songs like Mind Trip and Double Stacked and... and uh, yeah, those two and and Hive had different tempo changes as opposed to a song like Endure and What a Day, which had the same tempo. Those were easy songs to record, but those other three, goddamn, that was <laughs> I broke so many sticks and I screamed so much in that session because, like, it 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 was, it was those songs to me did not need a click track and that's just my uh, there's a different emotion behind those songs because we would we would slow it down and like each bar would slow down and it's so hard to map out a click to do that you know if, if, i'm not, not sure if you're familiar with click with a click but when it's a steady click it's so much easier you know and and if it's like you have to go from a a four a four a four eight change to a five eight change oh man it got so stressful for me <laughs> and i and i would tell my producer you know it's like we need can we record this live why does it need to be to a click i mean we're a very tight band but we they mapped it out and honestly like still to this day i like especially mind trip i don't feel like it captured what it captured like when we played it live you know like it's it sounds very too mechanical to me you know like it just didn't have the vibe that we were hoping you know and and but all in all i mean it was the first record it was really a lot of fun you know like i i, I did i recorded five versions of each song i did that like in a week and uh <laughs> That sounds exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was very exhausting. But I was so excited about doing an album, you know, that I wasn't tired. You know, it was great because I was like, man, I'm making my first actually nationally released, going to be nationally released album, and and it was really a lot of fun. You know, J Jason like really worked us hard. We had a lot of battles with him in the studio. Because, you know, we were we wanted things a certain way ourselves, you know, like we had never done everything ourselves up to that time. You know, nobody really told us what to do as far as writing music and stuff like that, you know, and but uh, it, it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. And, and I look back on it and I wish I could have changed things, you know, but but at the same time, you know, it exposed us. It got us on killer tours. We had a label that believed in us and, and spent a lot of money on our band, you know. So I, I'm blessed and grateful that that record was able to come out. 
Yeah, I mean, it's such an emotional record. I can I could totally see, you know, that there would have been conflicts, you know, as far as, you know, you guys kind of coming into it and being like, well, these are our songs and um, they're very personal. And, you know, we wrote them this specific way. So to have somebody say, well, maybe you should do it, do it this way or, you know, do it that way. They're not the bad guy. They're just trying to make the record as good as they can make it. Yeah, what? like like Mind Trip was actually, you know, how it starts. You're about to take a Mind Trip. That's he wanted that to repeat again, and the song. Okay. So he wanted that to be the chorus. Interesting. Like he wanted, like he wanted to completely. That was our producer, Jason. Wanted to restructure that whole song, and we put the kibosh on that shit. <laughs> like hell, I said, fuck no, we're not doing that. So we have other songs that we can. We have other new songs that we wrote. But these songs are not going to be touched. But the song "Victim," uh, we actually rearranged, and uh, also "Years." I'm sorry, "Years" is also an old track. That uh, the only thing we changed on that song is we changed the the bridge. We wrote a new bridge for it. But pretty much all the other older stuff stayed pretty much the same. But um, yeah, when he wanted us to repeat that on "Mind Trip," we're like, ah, fuck no, we're not doing that. There's <laughs> Put no your foot fucking down. way. Yep. Yeah, we not, well, we totally put our foot down and, and he lost that battle really fast. I've sat in, in the engineer's chair a few times and I always ask the band because I've recorded several of my friends and a couple of their acquaintances and a few people that said, well, we need to record some music for a demo. And I, I always ask them, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to sit here and press record or do you want me to give you input? And the answer I always get is, or at least has been for me, well, you know, tell us what you think. You know, we trust you. And inevitably, there's that song that as a engineer, that hearing it differently than the band has heard it for the past six months, they've been playing it together, you say to yourself, I don't know what this is really about, guys, but that one thing you did right there, you need to do that about seven or eight more times. And it's always interesting to me, either the band goes along with it and tries it, or they're so confident in their music that they just say, nope. This is how it's going to be, and we're going to do it this way, and we're not changing it. Yeah, I mean, there we have always been open. I mean, to a lot of suggestions uh, over our career, you know, and and but that that song in particular, it did so well locally. It was such a favorite of the local scene, you know, that we didn't want to mess with it. And even after we released Statement, the local fans felt betrayed and all this other shit and, and and because the song sounded different i said well what do you expect we went to a different studio it's a different engineer you know they they felt like it sounded it didn't sound like the local cd and the local cd i mean we recorded that local cd in three days you know we, we had we did this record in two months <laughs> we were there you know what i'm saying like so it, it was a little different process so, but uh, we made sure that the song didn't get touched because of the local love that the song that song just was just so huge locally that we didn't want we didn't want to mess with it you know and and I said we have you know that's why we wrote a bunch of new songs you know that way you know we don't have to worry about uh, you know people who are familiar with the original Mind Trip be like wait why is it saying it twice what happened to the, this part what happened to that part you know so it's it's weird too because as a fan of a band i like hearing different versions of songs i don't know if um i don't know if, if you guys feel that way but like i like 
like sometimes bands will release you know re-release an album and they'll re-release like like uh, for example metallica re-released master of puppets recently and it came with like i mean i got the version i got to get like three bonus discs on it and it's like all demo versions of the songs you know original ideas like riff ideas and stuff and like as a diehard fan i mean i love all of that shit yeah it was it was interesting to hear uh james hetfield record master of puppets just on the guitar you know like he was just put laying it laying down the ideas and it was very interesting like how good it actually sounded too (laughs) yeah yeah it sounds really good but uh yeah i mean we we try to keep things very like they say real on the first album and and but we had plenty of new songs for the producer to mess around with you know so (laughs) interesting enough like what a day um that song originally started with a drum beat and you know on the record starts starts down 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 down, starts with that bluesy thing well when that song got to the mixer the mixer actually rearranged it he and when we heard it it was like what happened to the drum beat he said yeah it wasn't working so then when he played it we're like okay that makes sense you know like we 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 didn't get upset about that you know we, we weren't like oh we wanted the way it was or shit like that you know it actually he actually made the song better right but that's how we recorded it with the engineer but the mixer guy was the one that uh, changed the song whenever a change like that gets made did you guys like conform to that like if a song got rearranged did you guys conform it to that standard live so that the fans would recognize it from the record or did you play it the original way you had intended it no, we do it like on the record. Uh, uh, like I said, when, when the things are changed, like we are extremely open-minded for ideas outside the box. On our first record, we just there were just certain songs we didn't want to touch because we have played them for three years, you know. So, but every but the new songs that we wrote for that album and everything after that, we have been an open book and open to suggestions for anything, you know. So it's. But once whatever's recorded on the actual nationally released album, that's what gets played. We don't mess around with the arrangement or anything like that. So, so now this statement was a pretty huge record um, for you guys, as far as so. I mean, I guess going from being a band that you know hadn't really, I mean, had you guys toured internationally prior to that, or um, no, no, not at all. We were just playing. Uh, we were playing like South Florida and South and Central Florida. That's it. We didn't really play. Our first gig out of the state was like in Mississippi. It was right after we we, re, we recorded the album, you know, like in we recorded the album like in March of 2000. And then July of 2000 is when we started doing shows, you know, like out of state. We did like two or three shows out of state, you know, kind of get the ball rolling little by little. But uh, no, we hadn't played anything out of the out of the out of the state of Florida or even out of we were just, we had stopped at Central Florida. We hadn't gone anywhere north of Orlando in our career, like before we got signed. So that was a pretty big deal for you guys then. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was cool. I mean, when, when MCA sat us down to, to give us a deal, Hans Haydel, our A&R guy, the guy who signed us, he sat us down at Cheesecake Factory. We had this uh, dinner with him. I, don't, I think it was lunch or dinner, I don't remember. But uh, um, he said, we're going to, buy you a van and trailer we're going to put you on the road for 18 months and that's exactly what we did wow (laughs) 
We did, uh, we did like, uh, I think like almost 300 shows in 18 months. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I couldn't even imagine that. I mean, I remember Joe and I played music for a long, for a while uh, when we were younger, and I mean, even whenever we would go and play shows out of town, like little festivals and stuff, like I remember being like, "Dude, there's no way I could do this," you know, for for 18 months or, or for you know, like there's a certain mentality, and physically and mentally, you have to be. Those two things have to be 100%. Otherwise, you can't do it. You know, and we've been lucky, you know, that we're physically and mentally heads. We're strong when it comes to that. You know, we, we've we've been a very uh, uh, we've been a touring band basically. People know that we tour hard and long, but it takes a certain mentality, a certain frame of mind to do something like that. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, by the time 2002 rolls around. Um, you guys have gone, you know, completely to a new level as a band, um, which is where we end up with development. Okay, with well, development, um, in 2001, around uh, our first headlining tour, right after the Oscars, we did our first headlining tour ever with uh, Switched, uh, Reveille, and Darwin's Waiting Room. And uh, on the way to our first gig, we stopped in Nashville, Tennessee. MCA bought us a Pro Tools rig, and oh, wow. the and a guy, we went there for a and a guy was teaching us how to use it. We installed all that stuff in the back of the bus and start writing our second record on the road. That's why they bought us a Pro Tools rig, so we can start writing. They wanted us as soon as we were done recording to go right into the studio and record the second record. So basically. We wrote all these songs on Elisa's drum machine, like just programming drums and recording all these demos in the back lounge of the bus. And I think we finished the tour of Fuel and Seven Dust. This is after 18 months and like almost 300 shows of touring. Three days later, we're in pre-production for our second record. That's crazy, because I was going to ask you that. I was like, because you went on tour after Statement for 18 months, and we got, you know, we got development in 2002. And I was like, damn, I mean, they had to have been writing some of that stuff while on tour. You we know? started writing that stuff. That's the thing, like, people say, a lot of people like that record. Me, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because we wrote it in the back of the bus. And we really didn't have any time to take those songs and work them, you know, like play them and rehearse them. And like, you know, let's, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it, For it's, sure, yeah. It was, yeah, it, it was so hard to go. I mean, three days fucking later, we were in pre-production for the fucking album. After 18, like I am totally not even decompressed from tour. I'm still like, just so tired and out of it i'm in there trying to play drums and then this is in december of 2001 so like uh we drove all the way from st paul minnesota to florida on the bus and we're fucking <laughs> three days later right there in the, in the rehearsal room and we're like, oh my God, can we relax? Can we just take this rest of December off? You know, that's what I wanted. Right. 
to be to take the hol you know to be home for the holidays and take time off for the holidays. How so does that work? Friend. Are you all sitting in the back with acoustics playing together, trying to well, put the we songs were, together, or is one person taking turns on the Pro Tools? Well, Andy was the Pro Tools guy. He had his guitar, and he was you know playing through a pod, and he had his you know he had an electric guitar back there. He had his uh, Ernie Ball. And our bassists were back there. I was programming drums with Andy, and Elias would sing. You know, he'd do his. It would be part by part, like you know how you do a record. But uh, and we did. We wrote, I think, twelve songs back there in six months. And we didn't write anything extra <laughs> or nothing. We, those are the twelve songs that we wrote. Those are the ones that went on. Whatever is on, whatever is on the record is what we wrote. I don't even think we made an extra song. And. The thing is, like, we didn't really get the work. I mean, there's some real nice gems. Like, I love your signs. I love excessive reaction. Uh, the song "Hands," I think, it's an epic style track. But there were others that just we didn't get the time to to really work those songs. It was like we just put part by part, boom, done. You know, it's like I, I, we never got to the point. Where, like, do we really like this riff? Do we really like this melody? Do we like this arrangement? You know, it's like. We didn't get to work that time. So basically, this is what happened. We're going in there. I think we did two weeks of pre-production. We take a break for Christmas. And at the beginning of January, we're in the studio recording this stuff. Like, it's no time at all to, to, to decompress, to sit back. I did the record. I, did the, I recorded the drums in three days. And I, I think that record was released in June of 2002. Yeah. So it's like, basically came home, pre-production, record the album six, from the time I came home, six months later, we had a new record on the shelves. Like I would have at least liked to have waited like at least a year, you know, to write stuff and to, to really, you know, and I think that the good thing about that record is uh, we got to work with Bob Clearmountain, who uh, he and he mixed the album. He did like Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. You know, he's like done all these huge records. So that was the really good thing about that album. I particularly, I just can't listen to that record myself. It, like, I can't even put that record on. It's definitely the most different non-point record out there. And I think, you know, I, it's, do you think that, um, not to derail you, but do you think that the reason that that record was a little bit less aggressive than statement was because you guys were tired like that you were just not not feeling it or was it just an intentional choice i, I think you know elias had come to us saying i'm not going to scream a rap on the album like he just wanted to sing but he wound up screaming a couple things but not to the point where like not to the amount like he did on statement right and and uh that really when we released that album and we started seeing the reviews, fans were really pissed off. You know, like the, the ones that are got into Statement, they felt like it was too much of a departure. And I agree. You know, I think it was not... Like I said, it, 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 we just didn't have the time to work on it. There's people that love the record. Some of our fans think it's our best album. And I, I really... I, I disagree 100%. You know, I, and but... You can't, you know, some people, you know, you can't tell a person what to like, what not to like, you know, like 
they found something on the album that connected with them, you know. So at the same time, I, I would same time I was happy, but at the same time, me personally, I, I, I'm a metal guy. I'm a, like you know, I'm a thrash metal guy. I like hardcore. I like really heavy stuff. So for me, I had a personal battle with that album, you know, like because it just, like I said, we didn't really get to work that record as much as we had liked, and, and the the label wanted to strike the strike while the iron is hot type of thing, you know, like and just man, we did a lot of touring on Statement. That record, that first record, Statement, I think sold like three hundred thousand copies or something like that. So they they wanted, they really wanted to continue the train you know so but that i think that hurt us career-wise by doing that i really think we should have taken more time to write maybe even write other songs that had never even made it you know that we couldn't we didn't get to maybe write the song you know we just wrote those songs and recorded that's it well did it though i mean i mean in the sense that like when i when this record came out and i heard it as a fan I mean, I definitely was like, oh, it's not really as heavy as the other record was, but um, I didn't mind that as much because I don't, I'm don't. i the kind of guy that doesn't like it when a band just does the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, like I love Slayer, but like I don't really have to like choose which Slayer album I put on. Yeah. Because I, I know it's going to be, you know, the same experience more or less. Yeah. But uh, I remember when development came out, I remember that was the first time I started hearing non-point on the radio more. And I started hearing, you know, like, because, I mean, Circles, I mean, our, our local uh, radio station played the shit out of that, you know. I, and, I, I really, really like that song. Yeah, it's, oh, it's now, that's, that's one, one of, of my favorite non-point songs that we actually don't even play. We should take it out. Yeah, for sure. Dust it off. We, should, we should dust it off. I, I think people would like that. And, and uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, it did get some radio play. I mean, your signs in like Las Vegas, it was the number one song in that station for months. Like it, like it was so weird. And I guess, but uh, your signs didn't do as well as what a day, you know, like at radio, you know. So I don't know. I mean, Battle Circles got added to like a NASCAR game, yeah, uh, a little uh, an Xbox game or whatever, and that really exposed us huge. You know, uh, that that really. We got a lot of love on circles because of that, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I'm I'm proud of the record. I mean, I love every record. You know, I love one some more than others. You know, but uh, but it definitely was not what I would have preferred after statement. You know, like, but you know, it is what it is. You live and learn, and and we made sure that you know that we never did that again. So. I would say my favorite tracks off of development were any advice and uh hide and seek and i just liked those songs because number one they're catchy as all hell yeah but uh the uh, the lyrics like especially on any advice i hadn't really heard that from a heavy band you know like 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 something that was just like so personal and so um thought provoking you know like that that song really um struck a chord with me and it it ended up being one of my favorite non-point songs it's funny because it's it's definitely like not my favorite non-point album overall, but those two songs, man, I <laughs> I've been known to listen to those two songs just in conjunction with each other, you know, because they they fit together really well. So like, I mean, I think that uh, I think this record was good for you guys, if only for the sense that like 
it did open you up to an audience that wouldn't necessarily have listened to Statement, you know, yeah. in, in the sense that, like, that was a really aggressive record and not everybody's into aggressive music. So, you know, to hear something like that was really, um, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed it and I liked that, you know, that there was a little bit more, that, that was my first hint that, you know, like, there's a little bit more below the surface on non-point that you know your your um the the lyrical content is is actually like intelligent and not just angry and you know um pretty thought-provoking so i mean that that was the only thing that like really um struck me about that record and actually our third guy uh jeff who's usually here with us he uh he he really loves this album it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of his favorites. Sir, sir, that, that, that's how I feel about Circles, the way you feel about any advice. Yeah, also, like, well, Circles like, is great, like, too. Like yeah. that vocal performance from Elias on that song is like one of my favorite that he's ever done. Yeah. You know, like that delivery, those melodies. That's uh, Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed listening to him sing that song. Let's, uh, let's get to Joe's favorite album. If we only knew the truth about it. <laughs> Recoil. <laughs> Man. Awesome. Like, did you walk into the studio and say, "So we're going to open the record with straight double bass"? <laughs> uh, it wasn't the plan. I mean, the truth was the first song that we wrote for that record. Um, we had actually been dropped from MCA. Uh, we, when we were writing that album, we did not have a deal at all. Uh, we were at Beeler Brothers Studios for almost a year writing that record. We were in limbo, pretty much. We didn't know what we were doing, like uh, record deal-wise. But we just kept writing, writing, and writing. We we started writing at actually, sorry, we started writing at our old buddy uh, Jeff, who used to be in a band called uh, Simple Kill out of Florida. They had a, a warehouse, so all those guys worked during the day. You know, and rehearsed at night. So he said, "Hey, so we moved in and we rehearsed during the day every day, since you know basically our job was non-point. You know, like so we, we didn't want to. Uh, you know, we were every day we get together five days a week. You know, like and you know take the weekends off. But five days a week we were writing in there, and then we moved into Beeler Brothers Studio and just kept writing and we were writing and recording that album. But when we wrote that song, the same." I mean, I, I when I heard the riff, like that that part, I said, "Well, that this calls for a double bass," you know, like because <laughs> something about develop something about development that I did not I did not talk about was the engineer. I mean, the producer was the same guy from the first record, banned all double bass from that record. What? Like he didn't want anything. I got to do it on circles, but the, he he did not want any double bass. Like he actually gave me. Two CDs to listen to already had them, but he gave me ACDC Highway to Hell and ACDC Back in Black. So that's right. why that record has more of a groove, more like straightforward stuff. Because I mean, ACDC is pretty straightforward, you know. So, but uh, on this on this next record, you know, we're like, fuck it, you know, we're gonna do whatever we want. And when that song was written, you know, it's like okay. Uh, so I think we, we need a fill to start it, which is why the record starts with the drum fill. Uh, but, you know, that song was incredibly difficult to play because of how long the double bass is and to keep it that consistent. We actually played it uh, 
last year? Was it, no, the year before last. On one of our last tours, we busted it out. And I'm like, oh my God, now I remember why this song was so tiring. You know? <laughs> but, but, you know, I set my drums a different way. You know, I put my seat higher. So that way, you know, I could, you know, I was, my legs were kind of, you know, digging more into the pedal. And my foot was really kind of more on top of it instead of being even with it. So, uh, and that worked out for me. But yeah, I mean, a lot, I got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of comments from my peers. It's like, Holy shit, dude, you just came right out of the gate, <laughs> you know? And, and, but yeah, that was a fun record. That was a lot of fun because we had no pressure, we didn't have no time limit. We had the studio to our disposal. You know, we went there every day like we were going to a job and just write and record and write and record, you know, like, and uh, that record was done to tape. All the music. Uh, How was that drums. doing drums? That was fun, actually, Cole, because uh, <coughs> I, did, I did that record in two days. I play a song that I would just punch in some parts and that's it, you know, like that. We were so rehearsed. It was so easy to record. Like I had no struggle with anything, except actually that first song, uh, the same because the verses, when I went in, I started playing what I thought was, like I was basically mimicking the guitar riff with my kick. Basically I was being a third guitar with my kick. And they're like, that's not like that. And I'm like, holy crap. Like and that and then, wow! How they showed me the riff, I was like, "There's no way I can learn this. This is something I've never done before." You know, like this is completely out of my league. And so we said, "We got to do it like this." So that's the riff was changed to match the drums that I recorded. That's not the riff, Rob. It is now. <laughs> it is now. So uh, and. Uh, so that was the only song that really gave me a lot of trouble. Uh, uh, the song I had a lot of fun that I actually nailed in the first take was the song, uh, what was the song, uh, Done It Anyway. That was a fun song to play. And it had more of a Sabbath type of groove. And I'm a big Bill Ward fan. That's one of my favorite drummers. So that that was really a lot of fun to play. That's, that's another song I wish we would play live. There's a lot of those songs on that record I wish that we still played. But man, you know, putting a set list together these days with nine records, and now we're going to about to have ten. It's, it's it's so hard. Oh, it's killer. I mean, the first time I the first time I heard Recoil, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like they're back. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it was um, it was definitely one of those like if you were a non-point fan that loved Statement but wasn't sure about development, you get you know you get kind of the if you're if you're the kind of person that wants to ignore that album completely you can jump from statement to recoil and it almost be like there's no gap yeah you know it's it's an improvement in every way and it's aggressive it has everything that you liked about statement on it but it's improved like the songs are the songs are more memorable um you know, obviously the production quality. Like personally, I think it's higher even than it was on development in that like it was more I don't know, like almost more dynamic. You could yeah. you could shift from those really heavy aggressive moments to kind of the more smooth, soulful aspects of it. 
Yeah. But like it all made sense. No, I hear you. I mean, it was, like I said, a really fun album to make and, and definitely uh, did well sales wise. And the truth, really, did lit really decent at radio. So I, I really don't have a lot to complain about. So. It got you a deal, right? <laughs> it got me a deal. You know, that song got us a deal with Lava. And uh, Who picked out the cover song? Our old tech, uh, one of my old drum techs, he kind of like just sent it in passing on the bus. So you guys should cover in the air tonight. And then we didn't really think much of it until we went in there to do the record. And then we, there, before the version you hear that's on that album, there's four others that exist uh, that were done before we settled on that one. Interesting. And Can I, I get a copy of I, that? I don't, I don't <laughs> have a copy of that. <laughs> I have no idea where those masters are at or anything. I wow. have to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I'm a little impartial to this album. What can I say? I uh, We were driving today because I was doing family stuff all day, and um, I let my wife, I popped on uh, in the air tonight, just real casual, like I didn't tell her anything about it, you know? Yeah. And she was like, this is a really good cover, which is really unusual for her because she's kind of really like staunchly like against cover songs like she doesn't you know she's like why why have a cover when you can just listen to the original which in a lot of cases is valid you know but no that's she's like she's like no this is really good like that like (laughs) and i was like oh cool well hey guess what i'm talking to the drummer from that band tonight you know (laughs) and uh (laughs) yeah we uh we uh Thing, the whole purpose of a cover to me is to make it your own, you know. And to me, the only thing we use from the song originally is the vocal melody and the big drum beat, the big drum fill. Uh, other than that, nothing else is on the original track. So we kind of made the song our own. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know if whenever I bought this record, if I even knew it was a cover because I was, I was the kind of guy that you know just like metal all the time. You know, <laughs> like yeah, it was I, I didn't have a lot of diversity in my music and. uh you know, I remember just thinking, oh, this is a really cool non-point song. And then I think it was Joe that was like, no, dude, this is, you know, and that's a testament to making it your own because, you know, if you hadn't heard the original, you just think, oh, okay, this is cool. This is a cool, you know, all yeah. kind of different sounding non-point song, but it still sounded like a non-point song. And that, hey, that, you know, that mission song accomplished. Has, that song has opened many doors for us. <laughs> so, oh, I, I bet. can't. I being on Miami Vice, it's been on, it's been on trailers for movies. It's been played pretty much in every single friggin' baseball stadium in the country. You better believe it. And uh, that actually, uh, and the Miami Dolphins actually come out to that song. That's awesome. Uh, when, when, when they hit the field, you know, it, it was used as the Panthers, uh, Florida Panthers uh, rally song. It was also used for the year the Red Sox won the world, the first World Series here in, in 2004. That was uh, they used they were using it for the baseball playoffs you know, on TV. So it's it's definitely gotten a lot of love, man. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've worshipped uh, <laughs> Recoil as much as we can. Um, definitely was a huge record for us personally. And uh, I remember his uh, his drum teacher Rob was like a huge huge non-point fan and he's he's largely the reason why we're such big fans to this day um well, so tell, just, him, tell, him, tell him thank you from me so we'll, we'll do so hey rob rob says thank yeah. you right <laughs> <laughs> we move we're moving on um to 2005's to the pain and i gotta ask did, did somebody piss you guys off 
Um, no, it, like, no, that that is a very angry album, and, and just it's just where we needed to be at that time, and that record definitely opened a lot of doors for us. We did a lot of killer tours on that on that on that cycle. And uh, that that was a really fun record to make. Again, I did the drums in two days. Uh, I did eight songs in one day, and then did the rest the next day. Were you drinking Red Bull the whole time? I mean, it. <laughs> no, man. I was just very inspired. We were rehearsing every single day. Uh, we wrote the record in a room. Yeah, you know, did did no Pro Tools and all that stuff. Uh, the, our guitar player at the time had written eight songs and the only thing that he wrote that made the record was the beginning riff of Bullet. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, everything else was scrapped. Everything else we started from scratch. Holy crap. Uh, so it, it was, man, it was, that record really did a lot for us uh, for our career uh, and got us a lot of killer tours. We did a tour with Seven Dust, we did a tour with Buck Cherry, we did a tour with Disturbed. Wow, and it was, it was like a really cool record, and that whole record was recorded in the key of A, A sharp actually, and um, which I think adds to the heaviness of the album. You know that was recorded with such a low tuning, but uh, yeah, yeah, that, that we weren't pissed off, man. It's just, it just, it's just that's what it was, man. That's where we, that's where our hearts were at the time, you know, and. and our fans really embraced that record, man. It's like they really were like, holy shit, here's Nonpoint again. Yeah, you know, I was and, totally and, on board because, I mean, at that time, I mean, 2005, that was kind of your rise of metalcore, you know, like Hatebreed yeah. was, was, was blowing up and Azalea dying and stuff like that. Like those really heavy bands is what people were really into. And then I remember like hearing this Nonpoint record and thinking like, Oh well, they you know they play kind of the older style that was popular a few years ago, and then I hear this record, and I'm like, the shit, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're not they're not pulling any punches on this record. I mean, it is uh, it is a bastard of heaviness. You know what I mean? That, like that that album is definitely my favorite now point album, you know, that we've ever done. You know, and it's, it's, it's there. It was just a special time. It was just that record was just released at the right time, you know, that, and and it did so much for us. Bullet did so well at radio. Oh and my still, god! Uh, still to this day, as we play that song live, people go fucking crazy. I lost my job this year in two or in uh, March, and I remember after I signed like the paperwork or whatever, you know, you're like you're not working here anymore, dude. I drove home and listened to Bullet. <laughs> bullet with the name the entire time on repeat you know like it was you know i was pissed off you know and it was it was a perfect song to deal with that anger you know and uh yeah i mean i remember like and i remember thinking like i called you i was like we really need to do an on point episode here pretty soon you know <laughs> and uh, done <laughs> i am uh, i am happily reemployed now but yeah like it was uh you know definitely uh a rough time and you know it's cool because like i listen to a lot of like really aggressive shit but like there's just something about that record that just rings true because like i like heavy music for sure like like a hundred percent but there's something about heavy music that sounds sincere yeah that carries a lot further than stuff that's heavy just because it's that style 
Oh, no, I it's hear. definitely in my top five non-point songs for sure. And depending on how mad I am that day, you know, like it could be number one. That, you know? that record, that, that record definitely uh, um, did a lot, of, did a lot of for our career. Yeah, I could see it, you know, because it's hard. I think it's hard to stay relevant um, because, I mean, the music chain, the music scene has obviously changed significantly since since statement, you know, and oh, yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> a lot of your a lot of your peers at that time either were sticking with the same shit that they had always played, you know, and it's not shit. I mean, it was great whenever it, it whenever it was relevant, but. Whenever it stopped being relevant, you know, everybody kind of just abandoned, abandoned that style. So it was really cool to see, you know, that there were bands out there, you know, like Don Point that could just keep bringing it, even you know, despite whatever the musical landscape was at the time. Yeah, you know, and I thought that you know, I, th- that record definitely is like really high marks for me for sure. Yeah, that that was like that was a that was definitely a, a great time in Napoli history for sure. I remember going to pick that up at Best Buy, thinking because all I knew at the time was Recoil, and I was expecting Recoil Part Two, and I didn't, <laughs> didn't realize. No, I didn't. But what I I didn't <laughs> realize was it was closer to Statement. It was closer to. And I don't have another way to say this, but there's a certain energy with punk rock and hard rock that the energy is in the vocals for the majority of non-point songs for me. So it's interesting to listen to Recoil and hear how much louder and prominent the vocals appear to be. And then you get to the pain where it sits a little lower in the mix, but the music doesn't cease to be as intense it's energy level nine all the time yeah so you're cranking it up in the stereo in the car and fuck whatever else is going on thank you (laughs) no joke yeah it's funny because when we were were preparing for this episode because we we try to be as critical as we can be with bands when we do their discography you know like We'll criticize a band, you know, for, you know, like falling off of the beaten path or not following the blueprint or following the blueprint too much. Because, like, metal fans in general are largely unpleasable. Ladies and gentlemen, unpleasable metal fan. Right. Like, you can't, you know, if you do the same thing too much, people get mad. If you do something different, people get mad. You know, there's nothing you can really do to please everyone. So why should you try, right? You know? Yeah, totally. So in 2007, when Vengeance came out, I was like, okay. And this is actually a record that I didn't even, I didn't even buy um, when it came out because I was just, I don't know, I might've been broke or bought too many albums before it. So this was, Vengeance was a record that I experienced more this week during the uh, during the preparation for the episode, and I was uh, I was surprised at just how like different it was because I mean I think it would have been really easy for you guys at that point to just go all heavy the whole time. Yeah, totally. You know, it would have been it would have been easy. 
And in a certain sense, that would have been like almost the sellout thing to do, right? Just do the same thing. You know, uh, you know, it's just we've never. I mean, one thing I can say that if you listen to statement development, recoil to the pain and vengeance. Sometimes it's hard to believe that it's the same band. Absolutely. You know, every single record we have tried to be different. You know, because I, I just think that why repeat what you know? It's just it makes no sense to repeat. It works for some bands, you know, like in some bands it'll it'll. But it, to me, it doesn't work. You know, I don't think that's the way it should we should do things, and that's why like people when people listen to Nonpoint, they're never going to get the same record twice. You know, that's 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 uh, historically all of our albums are exactly that. You're definitely not going to get our second at the uh, same record twice. Now, as far as Vengeance goes, that's another record that I'm not a fan of. Uh, I think uh, where there was a lot of turmoil in the band at that time, you know, and it reflected on the writing. And there was a lot of times when our guitar player at the time wasn't even there. You know, like I wrote the majority of that album, like musically. Musically, I wrote a lot of the guitar on that record. I'd say maybe 70% of that record I wrote. And with Elias, you know, just me and him in the room, you know, like, and, uh, you know, but there are definitely some good songs on that record. I like a lot of the songs. What I really detest on that album is the production. I do not enjoy the production on that record. I think it's it's recording. It sounds very thin. It's just I don't like the cover of the album. You know, I didn't like the cartoon with the thing, cartoon, you know, yeah, caricatures. I yeah. mean, I mean, it was fun to see. It was cool to see me with a bat, and whatever. You know, as a cartoon character, it was fun to see. But uh, I definitely don't enjoy. I don't enjoy that record. I don't listen to that record. We only play one song off that album. It's hands off. I was gonna say that's that's actually one of the best songs on the record. Yeah, that's the song that we play on the red. The album gets people going. They really enjoy the song, you know. But as far as other songs on the record, we we haven't played any of those songs in a while. But the, but the recording of it, I just I just don't like the production of it. I think it was very mediocre, and and it could have been done better, you know. It was definitely not the record to release after releasing a song, a record like "To the Pain." To the Pain, that was such a difficult record to follow, you know. It's just, you know, but like I said, at that time, we were all at to, "To the Pain." We were really into it and during vengeance, so it was just a lot of turmoil there. And, and you know, that was the last record with the original lineup, you know, that we had. And, and so that's and that's not even a record that I even enjoy really, honestly, talking about. You know, I, I don't really talk much about it. But, uh, you know, live and learn, you know, like to me, like, uh, I think, you know, well, once we get to the other records, I'll actually tell you my opinion. But um, all right. <laughs> but, Let me ask you this. And if you don't want to answer, that's OK. OK. I have this observation for records that were released between 2006 and 2009. And I always wonder what your perspective would be. Did the recording process change in those years what i mean by that is godsmack put a record out corn had just put an album out your album came out there's several mid to underground bands that kind of release these thin sounding metal albums and 
I've only ever been able to figure out that they must have been done in studios that had just gotten the ability to record digitally or in larger studios that had Studio B that had a new Pro Tools rig. And I think a lot of, a lot of the records that were being put out were either the exact opposite of what they were doing two years prior or they just hadn't figured out yet how to master digital recording. Well, here's the, th- here, here's the thing. The first five albums were all recorded on the same console. Uh, and the only thing that changed was, you know, uh, Pro Tools upgraded. You know, like if you get Pro Tools 1, Pro Tools 2, Pro Tools 3, whatever. We recorded our statement album on Pro Tools 1. You know, it's like on the very first version of Pro Tools. Ground right? level, so, yeah. Yeah, everything was slow as fuck and all stuff, but <laughs> computer, computer would crash every other, yeah. every like 45 minutes or something. You know? Quantize? But, uh, what the fuck does that yeah, mean? <laughs> yeah, there, actually, there was no quantize right there. There was beat detected. Right. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, was, that's, yeah, that's a word yeah, going back. Yeah, that, yeah, there is no quantizing like it is now. But not, nothing really changed. I mean, like I said, we recorded everything on the same exact gear, but every single record sounds different. You know, and and but the only thing that changed is that same gear was my manager bought all that gear and moved it from we, it was the same gear, but it was in two different studios. Uh, the third rec, third, fourth, and fifth album were recorded at Beeler Brothers Records, uh, Beeler Brothers Studios, but it had the same exact gear as the first two albums. Like it was just the gear was just moved from one place to another. But uh, but uh. No, nothing had really changed. Nothing really. Ch- uh, I mean, engineer-wise, I mean, the first two albums was recorded, engineered by Keith Rose, and the third record was engineered by Jason, our our, our manager at the time. And then uh, the last two, uh, the the second, the third, fourth, and fifth, were engineered by my guitar player, and and my by this guy named uh, God, what's his name, Matt Matt Laplante. But uh, the recording process didn't really change much. I mean, we were doing the same thing, recording to a click, recording, you know, scratch track, blah, 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 blah. Like, not, not, not a lot of change. I always ask because that's the time in modern history where iTunes had just become a thing and they were trying to market MP3s. And I really feel like listening to some of the albums that came out in that time frame they all have one thing in common they're thinner in their mastering than they were three years prior so i always yeah. want to i always ask you know, was there something that changed so when you tell me that nothing changed at least is being recorded on the same equipment two different studios i i just wonder who along the way along the path you know it's like an engineering process who along the way did something not the same and and I'm not saying every album has to sound the same because they absolutely don't and they shouldn't but that the consistent thing that I'm hearing in 2005 to 2009 is the records got thinner and I honestly have never really figured out why yeah I, I, you know what I've never really noticed that but hey you must have a better ear than I do <laughs> yeah I mean do you play with earplugs <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I have uh, I have one note for vengeance that I wrote down uh, in the preparation for this record or for this episode, and it was just that I, I literally wrote doesn't sound as big. Yeah, it definitely does not sound as big. Because every non-point album to that point, I keep saying point. 
But uh, every album up to that <laughs> era or that record, every album before that was really big sounding. Like, um, yeah, like that you could take it to the arenas or that you know, like, because I, um, Jeff, uh, actually hooked me up recently um, with a really good home sound system. Where you know, with like an actual amplifier and speakers and and, and the whole deal. So like, my vinyl sounds fucking amazing on it you know and uh but i still play my cds and stuff because they still sound good everything sounds good on it but like when i listened to this i didn't know whether or not it was because i was streaming it because i don't have this record like i don't have a a physical copy of it i didn't know if it was because i was streaming it through bluetooth you know to the to the sound system or or if it was just the way it was recorded so um so when you tell me that yeah you you weren't happy with the production on it like that that confirms you know kind of like what I wrote down on that like it just doesn't sound as big um I still like some of the songs on it you know like I didn't I wasn't disappointed with the record overall because like there aren't a lot of like <laughs> with with non-point we like and we're not saying this just because you're on it like we we would tell the truth for sure no matter who was on it yeah. but um just that like that record you know was not like the greatest sounding um production wise but i there's not a lot of negatives because every record is so different you know and like every time we every time i would listen to a record whenever i was prepping up for the episode it was like hearing a different band you know and um that was uh that that's what kept me interested because you know it's like a slog you know like we're we're trying to prep up for like a, a, a napalm death episode that's coming up soon and like that's a huge discography <laughs> yeah and that's that's hard because napalm death for the most part is a band that kind of delivers a very similar product throughout and so especially with the earlier records and so with a band like nonpoint it was actually a pretty easy listen you know from beginning to end because every album had something new to latch onto. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we, you know, eventually, you know, I made it through, we got to, uh, miracle. And, um, this one, this one, I actually noticed a little bit more like, um, there's no better way to say it, but like more noodly guitar, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot more rock influence on this album, you know, and, and definitely another one that, not one of my favorites you know like i definitely think the the best part of that record was being able to record with chad and greg from mudbane yeah 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 uh they they produced uh, some of the songs on the album okay and and there was a lot of fun to work with those two they, they had a lot of incredible ideas and that's really the only only positive that i can say about that album you know i said that we got to work with them uh, we had changed guitar players, and um, I mean, replacing Andy was not easy. You know, it's uh, Dandy had our first guitar player. He just had this distinctive style of playing guitar that was really hard to, to really hard to find. You know, and and we got a guitar player, a guy from Chicago, and, and we started writing with him, and and it just didn't. It was it just. I don't know how to explain it. Just, I guess the riffs were like kind of too stock, you know. I guess that's what I want to say. You know, that wasn't 
you know, not where we needed to be musically. And but you know, it worked. I mean, Miracle did well at radio as well. You know, and and and, uh, and that's the only song from that record that we play. Actually, it's Miracle uh, when we do play it. Um, but um, yeah, it it, it was. A, we recorded that record in a guy's house, actually in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, recorded the drums in the basement, and um, he had like a he was up on the third floor of this control room, and actually it wasn't even a house. It was just it was a house. It wasn't his house. He lived somewhere else. That was just the house was just the studio. It's like in the middle of a neighborhood, you know, kind of like. And, uh, but it was fun. It was a fun record to do. Uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I did. The, actually, I did the. <laughs> I recorded those drums in nine hours. Holy shit! Uh, so, so I, I recorded all the drums in nine hours. And uh, when I mean that nine hours, that's the amount of time that I actually took to play on the record was nine hours. Wow! It's not like I did it in days. I did it like I think three days was three hours each day. So basically, nine hours I recorded, and. Uh, and there's some cool parts on that album. To me, what I was going to explain earlier that personally myself, I wish I could take the best songs from Development, the best songs from Vengeance, and the best songs from Miracle and make one record. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, that would be then another, I think it would be another killer non-point album, you know, if we did that. Yeah. Which songs would you pick? Uh, well, from Development, I'd pick uh, Excessive Reaction, Circles, um, your signs, and uh, I think that's it from that record. And then uh, on what was the next one? Vengeance. I'd pick uh, Hands Off, um, a Witness, and uh, God, I'm trying to. I don't remember the titles of these songs. <laughs> that's uh, right. And the song and the song Vengeance. I like that song too. And uh, on Miracle, I would pick Dangerous Waters, which I, I wrote that song. Actually, it was a lot of fun to write. A lot of double bass on that song. Um, Electricity and Shadow. And then I would make that one non-point album. <laughs> what would you call that record, Rob? Um... I don't know. The miracle <laughs> of vengeance. Yeah, we'll make a, we'll yeah. make a we'll make a playlist of that. Yeah, <laughs> listen to that. Yeah. yeah, the miracle of a developmental vengeance or something, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Uh, actually, I, actually, I would call it dangerous waters. Okay, dangerous cool. waters. Yeah. That was dangerous waters. You know, and but you know, I'm not not to diss those albums. It's just I think, like I said, those albums were kind of rushed. And, and just, you know, like I think just bands, I think, you know, we're our musicians are their own worst critic, you know, and, and it's just, you know, I wish things had turned out differently when we, when we recorded those records, you know, basically. But I would call it the rock, well, you know, the hard rock era of Nonpoint. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think up to that point, I would have called Nonpoint a metal band, you know. Yeah, I mean, we, we, like I said, you know, we're at the mercy of the guitar player that we had, you know, and, and like I said, him, him and Andy had two very different styles. You know, what they're, so, I mean, it's we got what we got, you know. Objectively, when you look at it, it's like there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're a metal fan, the, there might be things that you can't take away from it. Whereas if you're oh. a hard rock fan, though, you're kind of in Nirvana, right? Like... 
Not the yeah. band Nirvana, but just the, the state of mind, you know? <laughs> well, uh, actually, I would add for Miracle, I would add the song Lucky 13 to the last song on the record. I like that song a lot. That's a good one. Taking it up to and 10 then, tracks. Gotta love it. Yep. And and then then we would have the perfect uh, non-point record. Well, then we'll uh, we'll make a playlist and we'll call it like Rob Rivera's, you know. Rob Rivera's Dangerous Waters. A dangerous Waters. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. You should, you should press that and sell it. Yeah. <laughs> and then press that it to was, vinyl. Uh, then there was a line of change after that record. It was only that person only would record a one album. So oh, okay. That leads us. That leads us to our self-titled Nonpoint by Nonpoint with Rob Rivera of Nonpoint. That was a very good comeback album to me. Vengeance and Miracle. I call that the down. It was like a down time. It was like just not a good time you know like like i said it, neither one of them i think captured the to the pain vibe or anything before that you're not kidding and, i mean self-titled non-point couldn't be better titled yeah and uh basically to us it was like a new chapter and then when we released i said it um people were like holy shit like they're pissed off again you know? yep. so, and, and and when that was a record that we recorded in chicago at Groovemaster, got to work with johnny k incredible incredible producer incredible like arranger and songwriter it was he was a lot of fun to work with we did that record like in two months wow but, but uh it, it was fun to work on that album i think that album has a lot of great gems on it that's uh, like the lights camera action and and International crisis. What well, international crisis? You got ashes. Uh, I think go time. The song go times on there. I think at that and and that's a yeah that that's that's really a good record. I really enjoy that album. And it was fun to make, and we had a really good cycle with that record. And and, and uh, you know, recording at Johnny's was awesome. I got to recording this awesome Gretsch USA Maple kit that sounded insane. Oh, yeah. That thing, that, thing, that thing sounded just absolutely insane. I'm a sucker for Birch, but yeah. Yeah, that, that, that Maple kit, I think it's the first time I played on a Maple kit. And it was like, God damn, this thing sounds amazing. I even tried to buy the fucking drum set from him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to buy it so bad. But um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun to do. Is record. I said it the unofficial sequel to Bullet with a Name? Because every time I hear this song, I feel like it. I feel like the song was called Bullet with a Name Part Two, and then you just said, "No, no, no! no. I said it already. I said it." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, that song. That's that record was very personal. I mean, me and Elias uh, were gone through some stuff, you know, with you know the, our career you know and the band and whatnot and i said it was definitely written about a specific person you oh, know? Wow. And, and and there's a line that says your mother should have left you in the balls of your pops i mean you couldn't have gotten more angrier and pissed off than that line that's venomous because, yeah that's... yeah because, <laughs> yeah because the first time he went that song actually came together I heard a drum beat online. I was watching a drum clinic online on YouTube or something. I heard this drum beat this guy was doing. So I started playing around with it and I started changing things up, but with the same kind of feel. And I sent it to Elias, just the drum beat. Then he sent it back 
with vocals. He wrote those vocals, but it was called I Did It. Before it was called I Said It. And yeah. then I started thinking about it. I said, listen, why don't you say I said it? But right before you start that chorus, you have to say something that's going to be people be like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Type of deal, and then when he said when he when he sent back the mother should have left you on the balls and your pops and you, I said it, I said it, I'm saying that you know what I'm saying like when he said when he put those two lines together, I said, dude, that is the best fucking line. It is, it really have, is. You, you, you could have ever said in your fucking life. You what know? was and, the name on that bullet again, Elias? I wrote that. <laughs> you know, it's funny is I I wrote that in my notes. And I was gonna ask you about it, you know, like what the fuck is that? But like, I'm glad, so I'm glad you brought it up. But yeah, like that was uh, that was intense, man. Like you don't you don't get much more real than that. Like to make to make a statement with a period at the end of it, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that no, the, is thing, just, the thing is that that every song on that record is about some a certain people, you know. And and like I said, it's a very very personal album. Elias was very angry because at that time i mean razor and we had signed a razor and tie we were we were we were the only two when the two other guys left the bit well we one got we got we let go of the guitar player and then the other guy the bass player left right after we let go of the guitar player me and elias were left in limbo we're like holy fuck what are we gonna do we don't have a band you know and and so we we signed the deal with razor and tie just me and elias alone without even any demos or nothing. And when we started writing those songs and he started writing those lyrics, he started to remember all these things that led to where we were at at that point in time. And that's some of the most personal lyrics. Like I always tell Elias, I text him when we talk about new songs, I said, you know, my favorite Elias is the one that's pissed off. That's the one that people connect with, and they, once he's he put those lyrics out, people are like, "Holy shit! Like, what the fuck is going on?" And and you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of personal stuff on that record, and um, but but it, it was a great comeback album after releasing Vengeance and Miracle. That was a great comeback album. Yeah, and, for and sure. Yeah. So it really really put us back on the map. And uh, we did a killer cycle on that record, and, and, and fun to t- fun to tour with, you know, fun to fun to, it was fun to play those songs live, especially International Crisis. Oh yeah, that was such a that was such a killer song to play live. Oh yeah, that's another that's another one we're gonna have to dust off. I think. I wrote in my notes also for this one. I wrote big again. Yeah, it made me feel the way I felt the first time I heard Statement. You know, like I was like, holy shit, like. Not, not like it's the same record, but it's, you know, very much, you know, in the same vein as far as the anger and, you know, just the, the, the fucking, the brazenness of the lyrics. Well, too, I mean, we had Johnny K producing and mixing. Then we had this guy named Brad Blackwood from Memphis who mastered it. That's why the record sounds so huge. It sounds you know, great, like, man. Like it's, uh. Razor and Tie too. It's funny that was their dip into heavy music, because I think at the time Razor and Tie, before that I know Razor and Tie used to release like kids albums, you know, like um, yeah, uh-huh. like kids Kid, pop and stuff kids like pop. that. 
Well, they, they had all that remains at that time, too. And uh, I think they had Norma Jean at the time, too. They had Norma Jean for a little bit. They had Shuttles Fall and Hatebreed for a little bit. But uh, they, they, then they moved on to, like, Star Set and Pretty Reckless and uh, Devour the Day. They actually had P.O.D. for one album. Yep. But, uh, Remember that. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, they were a fun label, for sure. You know, but... Uh, but that, that, that was definitely a cool record. That was, you know, that that was a whole new lineup, you know, two, and we added two guitar players in the band. So we had two guitar players and a new bass, two new guitar players and, and a new bassist. So we were, that was the first time we were a five piece. And uh, it, you can definitely hear the, re- the reflection of that on the records. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so um, if the cell title wasn't enough of a return, <laughs> I see where you're going with that. You go to uh, you go to 2014's The Return. That Woo! was a, that was a that was a fun record. We went with Johnny K again, same production team, same lineup. Um, that was the last version with uh, one of the guitar players, Dave. Uh, he was no longer in the band after that recording, actually. So, but uh, he actually, re- but he did record on the album. And um, yeah, that was a great. That's another heavy heavy hitter. There's some, uh, there's some good songs. There's a lot of good songs in that record. I really like that record a lot. Oh my God, Breaking Skin stands out to me. Yeah, Breaking Skin, <laughs> and you had uh, Pins and Needles. Yep. The album, the album opener. Um, uh, there was another one. I can't remember the Crashing the World Around Me. I think it's called. I, I can't remember the name of that song. There's a little bit uh, of metalcore on this record. I mean, a little bit. You know. Um, of, wh- of what? A little bit of metalcore, you know, like in the in some of the more melodic riffing. It's definitely, you know, and like uh, pins and needles. I, I hear it the most, you know, when it first starts off. Yeah. I was like, shit, this is. Um, they're definitely flexing the metal muscle on this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we wanted to, you know, we, we just wanted to stay aggressive. You know, and I said uh, people love the melodic side of non-point, but people do love that aggressive side as well. Absolutely. You know, and, and, so it, that definitely those two records, I think this it, it definitely a great comeback for. But Breaking Skin did so good at radio. Oh know, my god, it, yeah! It was played everywhere. It was, it was awesome. And that was a great tour cycle for sure. Yeah, it was a great great record. It 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 definitely. Um, when I was listening to it for this, I was like, damn, you know, like it, it's it's kind of the non-point thing at this point where you're like, they did that. They made me feel the same way, but differently. You know, and yeah, there's, uh, a, there's a song on there too called "Razors." That's uh, that's really cool too. And there's one, the real fast thrashy one. I can't remember. That's so weird. I can't remember the titles of our songs. <laughs> but the real fast thrashy one. We were we did that on the Megadeth tour. That song went over really well. You're nine albums in, man. You know, it's it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you're you're trying to remember ninety track titles here. Yeah, and I actually I went on my ASCAP. To, Check my account. I have a, there's 148 songs. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Uh, uh, <laughs> recorded works that I have done. 148. Yeah, I mean the return was definitely one of the highlights. And so, whenever I first got back into Nonpoint, because um, I want to say my own personal history with the band was, I think I went all the way up to, um, I want to say Vengeance. It yeah. was either Vengeance or To the Pain with you. It was you. probably To the Pain was the last one that I really loved. And then I jumped back in with self-titled with Nonpoint. And then um, 
I think the next one that I heard after that, you know, originally was the Poison Red. And, um, I mean, <laughs> I was really surprised, you know, again, because, like, again, like you said, we, we don't ever get the same non-point album. And it definitely feels like, you know, you guys have um, established that, that kind of that credibility over time where it's like we weren't just a band that, you know, started off heavy, went soft with development, and then just went into mediocrity after that, you know? That's the yeah. case with a lot of bands. And um, like I said, I really I really enjoyed listening, you know, going through all nine albums. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's like, oh, fuck, here's another one. You know, like... <laughs> and uh you know but man uh to to jump i'm sorry i'm jumping right into the poison red but like that record definitely like reintroduced me to non-point i think i i got into the poison red i i think it was in 2017 really uh after we had started the podcast and uh you know when we talked to you the first time i was gonna just gush about that record but then i was like no we need to keep it about thrash metal <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know it was definitely um the record that made me just be like you know people can say whatever they want to say about you know melodic bands in in 2016 or 2017 but like no band does melodic heavy music like non-point does you know and like these songs get under your skin um bottled up killer bees like holy shit like that first of all great album t or great great song title yeah and uh you know just just the aggression that that song starts with you know like i, I just i don't know man like you don't have a lot of bands that you've been listening to since 2000 that will put out a record in 2016 that will surprise you oh yeah that one was the first one with bc as our guitar player and, and that guy's just a massive talent, you know. He's the best guitar player we've had since Andy, you know. And no disrespect to the other two, you know. It's just he, he you know, he, he comes more from our school of, of thinking, and you know, we we have a lot of the same influences. And he was in the band Switched uh, that opened up for us uh, in 2001. So we've known BC for a long time, and when the opportunity came and we've been actually hunting him down since our first guitar player came back came out uh, left we were trying to get him in the band since that time but there was always something in the way or some scheduling or he's already in another band you know but they uh once we started writing for the record and writing with him and he brought just this energy and it's just he brought the songs like divide and conquer them and, and generation idiot and you know, and standing in the flesh, and all these songs, like it's like, man, these are sick ass tracks, you know. And and, and uh, uh, my per personal favorite on that album is "Last Dying Breath." I mean, that's the, that's that that's to me the perfect non-point track. You know, as and I we still we played that on just on our last tour now, and I just I, it was just so awesome. It goes over well, so amazing. Gives it all the cool slow stuff and how it stops in certain parts. And, and that was a really fun album. Uh, that's probably my favorite, my best recording experience, aside from this last record that we just did, was the Poison <laughs> Red. The Poison Red, uh, it was such a great time. To, it was just killer time, to be honest. Do you invite someone to join the band, or? Is it like us underground bands where we just call up the next person we know that can play guitar and say, just come hang out with us and jam and see what happens? 
um, once you're once you're doing the poison red, are you are you bringing somebody in because you know they fit the role, or is it different? Well, we already knew a VC because we knew his style. Like I said, we grew up with the same kind of in the same era. You know, we both came out pretty much at the same time. His old band switched, and us came around the same time. He was a he's been a massive Nonpoint fan and a fan of my first guitar player since we since we toured together. So he does he does Andy's music like music. He does it an incredibly amazing. He does a really good justice to it. You know, he plays it pretty much almost as authentic. Like I can close my eyes and I think it's Andy in the room. You know, like you know, it sounds so authentic the way he plays. They're both very blues-based, influenced guitar players. So it worked out. I mean, we didn't even have to audition the guy. You know, we just hey, come, hey, you want to join the band? I asked him if you want to join. I didn't even ask. I didn't ask him come jam. I already knew it was going to work out because I've seen him play millions of times with all of his other bands. So I knew it was going to be okay. But uh, it, it was a lot of fun, man. It's been a lot of fun, though, to write and record with him. That guy's got endless fucking ideas. It's insane. Yeah, that blues influence, man. Like, that's that's where you hear all those traditional metal influences come out, you know? Yeah. When people ask me, you know, what do you think about Nonpoint, you know, or do you, what do you describe them as? I always say a metal band. Like, first and foremost, um, it, yeah, it's not death metal, <laughs> you know? It's not. It's not grind you into the fucking ground. I, I think what when people when people ask me, I mean, we have influences of hard rock, metal, thrash, hardcore, and blues. Basically, I'm the hardcore thrash guy, and hip hop, and and Elias and Rashid are hip hop, and but I am also a metal guy, and. and and, and I like the blues. BC loves the blues, loves metal, and he loves bands like Gojira. You know, and he likes this new band called like Night Versus. Oh yeah, Night Versus you is know, awesome. You know, like and and we listen to like Animals as Leaders. You know, and we listen to Deftones. We listen to uh, uh, Mastodon. You know, we listen to a lot of. I listen to old school, like you know, I listen to old school stuff like Anthrax, Metallica, Slayer. You know, and, and we just mold all that stuff. My singer listens to At The Drive and Deftone, Circus Survive. But he also likes Drake. And he likes, you know, he likes Biggie Smalls. He likes Jay-Z. You know, he likes uh, he likes a lot he likes a lot of different stuff. My guitar player is huge into old school. Like, this guy can sing any old school hip. You play an old school hip-hop song, that motherfucker knows it. Like he just knows everything about hip hop, you know. I believe it. And but but he also likes, you know, he likes metal, you know. He likes he likes Metallica, you know. He likes Deftones, he likes, you know. And we all listen to Killswitch, you know, uh, Lamb of God, you know, Chimera, you know. It's we like all these bands, you know. That's and that's I think that the cool thing about Nonpoint is if you listen to all our records, you're gonna hear all those influences on every single album. There's a song, like on the first record, there's a song called Hive on there. There's a part that is a, I wrote, there's a complete New York hardcore ripoff drum beat and guitar riff. You know, and people don't, the fans that listen to have no idea, probably, and many don't know about New York hardcore. 
They're not thinking about biohazard. Yeah, look when yeah, they're listening yeah, to it. Yeah, not thinking about biohazard. I was thinking, when I wrote that part, I was thinking about biohazard, sick of it all, agnostic chromax. That's what I was listening to when I wrote that part. You know, simple, hardcore beats, but, you know, like, aggressive, you know, and, and so... It, I think that's been the beauty of our band. We've been able, people have labeled us as this new metal thing for years, and that's fine. I don't care. Of course, there's a guy rapping in the band. He's got to be new metal. You know? New so, metal maybe on the first couple records, but. Yeah, but I mean, I don't even think, like, there's no way you can even classify as new metal in development. There's not one single rap on that song. No, yeah, on no, that, you're, right, you're right. It's completely melodic. Completely melodic album. Like, he didn't start rapping again until. Bullet with a name, like from statement and those two records in between, and bo- and to the pain. There was uh, development and statement out of recoil did not have any rapping on them right, at yeah. all. There was no. There was a song called "The Truth," was inspired by Killswitch Engage. You know, there's no rapping <laughs> on that record. So it's when people throw us into that, into that thing. Not realizing how deep our, you know, it doesn't, honestly, the, the, the new metal tag does not bother me at all. If you want to call me that, if that's what you think of us, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But I, I think people, these people don't really, don't realize how deep, deeper it is with us musically. They don't see the you greater know? musical palette that's there. Yeah. I mean, sure. there's so much more to us than, than what they're, ex, you know, when they release, uh, when there's a new, like we release, we're releasing a new record uh, in, in August, you know, and they're like, God, uh, new metalers, not point release new now, new album. And it's like they still to this day call us that, and that's fine, that's fine. I think the one thing that's completely, I think the one thing, you, the one uh, genre that they put us in that I think really describes it was alternative metal. Yeah, that's a that's a good one because it encompasses all those different influences. Yeah, so yeah. I, it's, so I think that's the most accurate description of of the band, you know. So, but uh, yeah, man, it's I don't know, man. It's just we we have a lot of influences. BC brought a whole mess of influences into. That's why I think the Poison Red came out the way it is. But the new record, he really. Have you heard any of the new stuff? Uh, I haven't heard any of it yet because I'm, I'm the kind of guy that only listens to a record once it comes out because I like to hear the whole thing. Okay, well, I, well, well, you, you, I'm about to have you break that tradition. Okay. So, uh, so go to Spotify or YouTube, whatever. Listen to Dodger Destiny and Chaos and Earthquakes. All right, let's do it, Joe. <laughs> pull it up. <laughs> if you want to pull it up right now. And listen to Dodger Destiny, and then you're going to hear something you've never heard from us. All right. And then, yeah. then, and then go ahead and pull it up. I'll wait. We're pulling it up right now. So uh, there's a lyric video, or there's a normal. Oh, I hear it. Damn, that's some thrash. That's where we're at right now. So. Damn. Dude, I'm looking forward to this for sure. We were gonna, we were gonna ask you some questions, but I think this song. <laughs> I think this answers it. <laughs> kind of says it all. Yeah. <laughs> Are you listening to Dodger Destiny? Dodger Destiny, yeah, right now. Okay. I like yeah. that aggressive open for sure. Elias is just spitting fire the whole time on that album. On that on that on that song. We're watching it on YouTube. There's there's fifty thumbs down, so fifty people don't know what the hell they're talking about. How uh, many thumbs up? Oh, way more, like three hundred and something. Okay, that's the only thing that matters. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. 
thumbs down don't mean nothing to me. Right. Negative, those those negative negative feedback means absolutely nothing to me. There's some there's some there's some negative comments on there, and I, I don't care. You don't like it. You don't like it. You don't like. It. And the thing is, you can't make people like the record. If they don't like it, they don't like it. Actually, the top comment is "screw all you down voters." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we'll probably uh, when this when this drops. Uh, what does it drop in August? August twenty fourth. August. Oh my God! That's right before. Um, we'll be listening to that in the car going down to Nashville for Rock and Pod twenty eighteen. Yeah, there's a there's a podcast expo in Nashville that we're going oh, to. Wow. Uh, oh, awesome. And so yeah, we'll be listening to this on the way down. Where where are you based out of? St. Louis. Oh, okay, St. Louis. We're actually playing. Yeah, we're playing St. Louis. I think. We will. Uh, we'll definitely be there, and we will. Uh, Come by yeah, and say would love hi. To, I would love to meet you guys, man. For yeah, sure. for sure. It'll be fun. So, um, but yeah, man, we did it. We we made it through. Technically, technically, we made it through nine albums, but a little bit about a tenth. <laughs> and yeah. uh, nine point one. Nine point one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So the new album, new album is called X, which is uh, Roman numeral for ten, which is our tenth record. And. Um, yeah, August 24th, man, it drops on Spine Farm. Very cool. Well, we'll definitely be listening to that whenever we head down uh, to Nashville. Yeah, and, and go go check out the next song, Chaos and Earthquakes. Yeah, man, thanks so much for uh, for doing this with us. Um, we don't really get a chance, you know, to, to sit down and get kind of the kind of the real scoop behind every album. You know, a lot of it, a lot of it's just our opinions and just our conjectures of what we think is going on behind the scenes but we don't ever know for sure you know no i mean it was, it was a lot of fun anytime you guys want to chat just let me know yeah for sure and on that note this has been episode 72 of discography discussion thank you for listening you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at discuss metal subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts including google play itunes and stitcher Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. One dollar gets you into that exclusive Patreon feed of album reviews and other exclusive features. Thank you, Rob Rivera, for hanging out with us again and talking about yourself, but not just about yourself, about the music and the people that make the music and the fans that enjoy the music. That's what I got. Sounds good. (laughs) 